0: Welcome to Chemo Glow, where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. This is episode nine, guys. Who takes care of me? My guest today is a daughter, a mother, a sister, and now a caregiver. She wears so many hats. And to add caregiver on there is actually an honor. When I first spoke to Tanisha, my guest today, she said that she didn't have much to say. After 30 minutes of being on the phone with her, I was like, wow, I have to have her on my show. She had so much to say, and we needed more time to discuss it. So I hope you guys enjoy Episode 9, A Caregiver's Tale, Who Takes Care of Me. This is Regina with Chemo Glow, where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. Today's guest, I'm actually gonna let her introduce herself because, like, her sister is like one of my dearest friends. And you are actually the first person that I have. Interview that like I don't talk to on a daily basis or um, You know, we call each other and chat so this should be very interesting But I'm so happy to have you today as my guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself Okay, thank you Regina for inviting me and having me Um,
1: My name is Tanisha Sanders Vanessa Sanders is your friend. That's my sister Um, I'm also a clinical social worker in um, Maryland DC and New York. Um, and I was a caregiver for my dad who was, um, who recently passed away from a lung, liver, bone, uh, bone and lymph node cancer.
0: Wow. Yeah. That, that is a lot. And the reason why I want to have you on the show today is because being a caregiver, I think caregivers. They get looked over sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, when my husband was talking, you know, taking care of me, I used to say, it's going to be rough. And he was like, I got this. You know, he's the kind of person that plans and have everything done. I was like, oh, it's different when you're a caregiver because I was a caregiver to my brother, my father and my mother. And so to see someone go through something, it is a mental um, battle. And it's also draining sometimes, not because you can't handle what is going on. It's just a lot to see your loved one go through something like that. And being an advocate for their care is very important. And so I'm excited to have you on the show today because we were actually talking um, about you coming on when you were coming back from seeing your grandmother and seeing your aunt, who's a caregiver. And my condolences to the loss of your grandmother and I'm, I'm just happy that you had a chance to go down there and actually spend some time and you see what your aunt has to go through with being a caregiver. It's a lot to it.
1: Yeah. I feel like, well, you might have to ask me some questions. Cause like I told you, um, initially I probably have a lot to say.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think that I have a lot to say generally,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: but yeah, being a caregiver is a lot. I don't know if you know that when you're doing it hmm. Yeah. Really
0: of the person. Well, tell me how you got introduced to the glow. And when I say the glow, I mean just becoming that caregiver of someone going through cancer. How did it all start?
1: Well, um, OK, so we found out, me and my sisters, we found out that my dad had cancer in about like October mm-hmm. um, 2019. He had a lump on his neck and um, it was growing. And he actually was the caregiver for my grandmother who doesn't have cancer, but was just, you know, really getting up there in ages and had like, you know, some, you know, age-related kind of declines. Mm -hmm. Um, So... He um, called us and he told us that he had that you know his doctor called us and told us that she needed to speak to us and basically that he had this very aggressive stage four cancer and still we really didn't like uh, like stage four sen- tends to like send a message mm-hmm. but I don't know about other people but I never believe what people <laughs> tell me
0: <laughs> so what did what did you think when they said stage for when you say you 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 didn't really think, I really you know
1: I really didn't think anything except you have to come here so we can handle this. Mm-hmm. So he lived in New York and I live in Maryland. I used to live in New York for a really long time and I really felt like since he was a caregiver, there was no way he was going to continue to do that. And I live near John Hopkins, um, which is one of the best cancer it is. Um, hospitals anywhere, pretty much in the States. Yes. So he was talking about Memorial Sloan, which is in New York. I mm-hmm. knew that, you know, basically he was going to have to go to appointments and he was going to have to make, um, you know, and my dad is really not that type of person. He's not a, he's not a, he wasn't a combative person. He's not in a, he's not an advocate for himself. Mm-hmm. You
2: know?
1: He's going to listen to what people say and just sort of go along with that. And, um, I knew he was just going to keep giving. Yes. Giving to the community, giving to everybody around him, giving to my grandmother. And I knew what he was ready. Like I could sense that he was going to, if I still thought he was going to get better. um, Yes. Yes. If he was going to get better, he needed to slow down. So we, um, I talked to his doctors and she was just really like very straightforward. She was just like, you know, he needs to get out of here. He needs to get to... Um, somewhere where he can have, be supported right now. Yeah. So, like, um, me and my sisters, me and my sister, we talked about it. And me and my sister Vanessa, we talked um, about him coming to Maryland. Yes. And I just told him, I was like, Dad, you know, I'm going to come and get you. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that easy to get him to leave New York. And he's been in New York, what, all his life? Well, not all of his life, but I would say, get, you know, he was 70. So I would
0: guess at least more than half. More than half of his life in New York. I remember when Vanessa called me and she actually sent me the paperwork. I had um, right, a, a family member who is a nurse and she actually works on the chemo floor. And she told me, Tanisha ain't going to hear anything you have to say. And at the same time, Vanessa wasn't Vanessa was like, yeah, Regina, that doesn't make any sense. And and it's and it can be right in front of you. However, you Well, I think it's you get caught up in what the person my dad is a
1: and he's yep. loving and mm-hmm. an optimist and you know he lost his temper every once in a while, but he was just a really loving, pleasant guy. Mm-hmm. Right. And so he and he looked like he normally looked. Yeah. Had a huge lump on his neck, but he looked, Regina, he looked like his normal self. Yeah. So I don't think that, I think that, you know, I'm I'm at the head, one of the heads of my generation. Mm hmm my family so i felt like strongly that i needed to be um like a part of like making things happen for him
0: being an advocate of his care was that hard no that's not hard for me because i'm a social worker yeah
1: no that's not hard i'm i'm confrontational
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you were able to transfer everything set up appointments Mm -hmm. um
1: what was hard was, you know, this is where my other sisters, like, we all have our strengths. Mm-hmm. I made the offer. I told him, come and live with me. I'll, mm-hmm. come I'll make sure we transition from New York to um, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And I felt very confident that that could happen. But I wasn't going to beg him to do it. And my sister, Vanessa she really got on the phone and she was like, daddy, come on. (laughs) I can hear it. So look at how much stress you're under. You have to let you, you." I mean, if she didn't do that kind of like coaching and, you know, coddling and stuff, he probably wouldn't have come to Maryland.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And an even worse situation. Um, So really we all have our ways, three of us, Mm -hmm. I'm about the business.
0: Yeah,
1: it's gonna be. I'm gonna get it done.
0: Uh huh.
1: My other two sisters, they're more like, especially Vanessa. She's like a mediator, (laughs) walking it out. Yeah, and coaching. I don't have the tolerance. Yeah. Then we 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 coordinated the two of Mm -hmm. them. We went to New York, we coordinated with his doctors, and we, and by the grace of God, we transitioned him in one week. Really? Right. We went down to New York in like the end of October, beginning of November. We transferred his records, got him a doctor's appointment at John Hopkins, got his, um, License transferred over, applied for benefits in like about a week. And I have to thank my uncle as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: One of my uncles as well, who was just like, just picked up his little leather bag. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it was truly like a team effort to coordinate those services and well, make sure that he had. Team effort to move him. Okay. And, you know, like when you're a
1: caregiver, I think what's really important is you need to be able to get supports from more than one place. You can't do that whole thing by yourself. Mm -hmm. No matter how effective you are, you really, you have to still, you still have to balance your own life, Mm -hmm. paying your bills, your own family along with this person's care, which is those first few weeks of cancer treatment are ports Mm -hmm. and patients and CT scans and, um, you know, doctor's appointments and, you know, it's just really about benefits and it's just really rigorous. So you can't do that by yourself.
0: So how did you handle that transition and then the transition of your work life. Because you said you're a, a social worker, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So how did you transition? Hey, I now have to have my father here and I'm taking total care of him. How did your work? How did that work out with your work?
1: Well, my, my boss is nice. He's a good dude. hmm
0: <laughs> <laughs> That had to be so helpful. Did you think twice about saying, hey... No, because I think being a social worker,
1: I'm capable of making my money, whether I have a job or not. Mm -hmm. I like my job and I want to be at my job, but I, my priority really at that moment was to do right by my dad. Yeah. So, but I didn't, my boss is such a good dude that I don't feel that I had to make that choice. I just came in really when I found out that my dad was sick before he even came here, I went into the office. Um, my big boss was in the office and my direct supervisor, my, my regular boss, my the one I keep calling the good dude. Yeah. <laughs> was um around and I just said, My dad is very sick. And then they were just like, Whatever you need to do. Yeah. And then he sent me a little note that said, you, you know, like a, like a loving, encouraging note. Like, you're like, a, a, you know, you're so important to your family and you're doing the right thing. And so then I, I was able, like, I wanted to be like respectful of the thing that he was giving me, the latitude he was giving me. So I did my job. Yes. But I also
0: took care of my dad. So you still work during the process? Did you take any time off?
1: Not really. I
0: took, um,
1: I worked two jobs.
0: Okay. So did that keep you busy? Was that something that you needed to do? Or, um. I think, um, you know, I think that,
1: you know, we all process feelings differently. hmm You know, and like I said, my personality is very capable of like compartmentalizing things Mm -hmm. and putting like, like I'm my job with my, first of all, my dad is very easy to take care of. Oh. (laughs) He's not sitting in the room ringing a bell. I need this. You know, it's not like that kind of guy. He was just a very, easy person to take care of like he was he's you know he's not he was never nasty he was never angry Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or you know um hard you know Mm -hmm. and so and, and it was something that I wanted to do so basically and I gotta say shout out to the American Cancer Society
0: I love American Cancer Society. I volunteered with them for many, many years. For well, four years. That's many, many years in my world. Yeah, they they are great. So they coordinated services for you.
1: They're dope. They they did transportation.
0: Oh, great! See, people don't know that there's so many things out there.
1: Yeah, American Cancer Society is like. Like, so you get 20, 20 rides.
0: Uh huh. No questions asked. That is amazing. Door to door, door. Door to door. They come pick you up, they take you there. Now, they, we're,
1: you up, they bring you back.
0: Did you go with your father to his uh, treatments? So,
1: yeah, I did. But what would happen sometimes, I think, is like I would, um, so those first couple of weeks, I went with him, but then it came to the point where I would have to send him, uh-huh, and then finish my work day and then meet him out there, okay, and he was in Baltimore, we live in Montgomery county. oh right? okay, About an hour drive forty five minutes to an hour drive, right
0: Meet him out there, pick him up, and then bring him back home. An American Cancer Society would pick him up. Take them to his appointments. No questions asked. Here's your time set up, ready to go. Twenty rides.
1: Amazing. They're amazing. And so you know, like um, it, it, any money, extra money that I have, and any like extra time that I I have to volunteer, they are the ones that I'm going to give it to because they are life saving.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they they really are. Again, um, Tracy Smith here with American Cancer Society. She can call me. I don't care. I'm nine years out. If she calls and says, "Hey, I need a speaker right now," I'm there. Just tell me. Just let me get my hair done. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> let me get my hair done. Yeah. I have to look like I belong to somebody. <laughs> I the picture of your short hair and it was uh, gorgeous. <laughs> uh, Thank you so much. (laughs) So what kind of conversations did you have with your dad? Because your dad's now staying with you. Um, You know, the treatment is getting real. The effects are getting real. Uh, What I consider the glow. When I say glow, I mean how your body starts to change, even though you're still in a good place up here people physically start to see it. And then I always knew when that glow happened, there was nothing I can do because people would physically see where I was at at that moment during my treatment. So what kind of conversations did you have with your dad?
1: Um, so me and my dad were friends before he came here. Uh huh. We had a very good relationship. Mm-hmm. And, um, we probably didn't talk as much about what was changing in his body because at first nothing changed. hmm It was fine. And then he got, he started wasting, you know, wasting is, is mm-hmm. when the body starts like, you know, losing weight fast. Yeah. You know, like the you know, the skin is hanging. And he sort of would say, teacher, you know, look at my arm. And I said, and then, you know, um, I was like, what are you talking about? Let's eat some more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we sort of he was fine until like maybe a month or so before he died.
2: hmm
1: Basically the same. hmm you know what really happened is he came, he started treatment, his cancer started shrinking. Mm-hmm. It he was doing really well. What and kind of treatment? Chemotherapy. Okay. Right, and um, amino um, immunotherapy. Mm-hmm. Right. It started his cancer started shrinking, and then we came back like after like I don't know on a few treatments. And the doctor told us that his cancer started to grow, right? And part of the cancer is like um, nerve damage and stuff. So the initial thing was like his legs were, he couldn't walk. He, like the first thing that happened was his he, he started having problems with his legs, mm-hmm. a lot of pain in his legs. And we had to get like something like gabapentin. And the first cancer, um, first chemo treatment was very strong. And basically, it was knocking him off his feet. Like, you know, he's taking this treatment and he's in the bed for like days. Yeah. Wiped out. And I, you know, I just told the doctor that was too strong. You got to reduce the amount of treatment because basically you're killing him. Right. He was going to, you know, like... You, you got to find a balance when you're at that stage of cancer, like you're looking for reduction in symptoms and you're looking for quality of life so you can like, live your life to the best of your ability while you have time. You're not supposed to be like blown away or like, killed by the cancer.
0: Yeah, I, um, I can relate. Um, I didn't finish all my chemo treatments, my, um, I was also on that and it got to the point where I couldn't button up my clothes. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk. I was so weak. And my husband went in and said, look, we're looking at quality of life. I want my wife to have quality of life. And I think I was on round nine. I was supposed to have 12 or around seven, I can't even remember. But um, the doctor says there's no magic number to this right here. You know, quality of life is important. And I really was not myself anymore. And so what good is that if I'm wasting away over here? So I didn't even finish all of my um, chemotherapy because I couldn't.
1: Well, I think the thing is here, you know, I made them slow down on the treatment. But when Mm -hmm way, I wondered if I had done the right thing, right? So, like, everything has a, like, um, you know, everything, I think, as a, as for myself, I can't speak for other people, everything has a, like, a positive and a negative, right? Yeah. When he was getting ready to pass, I felt he was in distress, and I encouraged him to let go, but at the same time, later, I wondered, you know, was I was I just tired of taking care of him and I just pushed him along, which I don't think that I was, no. I was I think those are just the things that, you know, happen as a part of being a caregiver. Yeah. I, I'm screaming Cause you know, he's, <laughs>
0: you know right. <laughs> That's right. Um, no, it's so true of uh, what you're saying and how you felt and how you're feeling. Cause you even have afterthoughts, but To be a caregiver and to make so many decisions at that time. And I think it's a gift to me. This is me talking. We are able to tell that person it's okay. Like when my mom told my father, I'm okay. He actually took his laugh right then and there. He had a massive stroke and he stayed around for almost a year. And I think he did that because his family was crazy. Mm-hmm. And he wanted us to heal, and
1: mm-hmm. he
0: wanted us to come together. And all of us was around him when he passed away. But it wasn't until my mother told him, "TC, I'm good. You you did well. Rest." And I'm telling you, he took his last breath. Right. Yeah. I think that's
1: really important. I think you know it's a gift to be a caregiver. I mean, I feel like we're I'm jumping around. No, I'm, you're fine. Keep right. going. Um, it's a gift to be a caregiver because life is, you know, coming into the world is a process and leaving is a process. Mm-hmm. Right? And um, not all caregiving ends with leave a person passing away, but some of it, it does, right? Yeah. Some of it is like um, those stages where. You know, a person doesn't just die like that, just yes. they have like a it's like a step down process where there's like body like the body waste.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, um they just lose their ability to eat and they lose their mobility and they become incontinent a bit. Mm-hmm. And they start, you know regurgitating or like bringing up like this brown stuff or whatever and then they're struggling with breathing and you know so like there's like this arc yes kind of and you are and I feel I felt at the end like I was helping him step over into the next next I was holding his hand as he stepped over from here to whatever is over there
2: Mm mm-hmm
1: so that it was a gift to me because I was, you know, at the end I was sitting with him and I was singing, and I'm not that girl. <laughs> and, I, and I was singing um soul music to him and some gospel music to him, and you know, he calmed down, he had the oxygen in, and I was like, basically I was just like, You just don't worry about it, you let go. Yeah. Sort of cause he was like very he was charged when our family did the zoom meeting and yeah. we all kind of said something to him. there was like about 40 of us and we had a zoom meeting when he like that afternoon. And then um, he sort of just got like so anxious and so charged up because he was so emotional. Yeah. Sort of just like when we were taught, I held his hand and I put the oxygen on, I gave him some good drugs. Yeah. And, and then he just sort of eased out.
0: Yeah. Um, and was he at home?
1: Yes. Okay. And Regina. Um, and I know I'm talking a lot.
0: No, this is great. Keep for person, going. For a person who doesn't want <laughs> to. Have- yeah. That's so funny because when I first talked to you, he's like, I have nothing to talk about. And I was like, oh, oh, you have so much to give. Yes.
1: I think what I've realized about being at home. Okay. So at first I was just like really annoyed about hospice. Mm -hmm. Like why would anybody want to do hospice in the house? Mm -hmm. No, because you have to move this person. They're heavy. That poop thing. I I could go on for five days. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot. It's like, um, you know and I just felt really mad about Mm -hmm. that but I think my dad when he was in the hospital he had had a stroke and he needed to go to the hospital and then he was still like kind of verbal and he said he called me up he's like Tisha you know it's time for me to come home right and I was like they still haven't even finished stabilizing you what are you talking about (laughs) I'm working on it. And then something told me, like, I said, Diddy, are you, you feel you're going to die in the hospital? And he said, no, no, I'm not going to die in the hospital, but it's time for me to come home, right? But he was. Yeah. He was. And in my gut, I knew, I made, like, I called, and I was like, that has to happen today. Yeah. Right? And I, and John Hopkins, amazing. Hospice, amazing. They put all the services in. They got him home in one day, right? And I was so thankful. Mm-hmm. Because he really, like, it's really important that they, that he be here in this space mm-hmm. when he transitioned out. Yeah. Really, like, important. Like, I can't imagine, like, my mom was in the hospital when she died. Yeah. Right? And, like, I can only imagine how lonely that must have been
2: to
1: mm-hmm. be in here in this space with me and my son and my dog was laying under the bed. He tried to jump on the bed with right? uh-huh. him so, and just our family doing a zoom call. That really was very important. It's really important that they be in that safe space when they transition.
0: Yeah. My, all three, Of my um, family members died at home, Mm -hmm. two in the same exact space. And I mentioned this in um, one of my podcasts. My mother said, because I would never stay in the house, I would drive to Fayetteville and I would go back home because I was like, Death is up in this house. Everybody seems (laughs) to not want to leave, but they leave in here. And um, my mom said, I must be dying if you're staying the night. And I was like, well, mom. There's something going on. Right. And, and from then on, I was there because I had a great boss that allowed me to do so as well. And there's nothing like having that team. Right. So when he was getting close, because you guys went through all this during COVID. That's why we're talking about Zoom meeting, you know, Zoom memorial, Zoom things going on. When he, you knew he was going to trans transition over what kind of conversations were you having with your dad about his wants his needs his thoughts did he talk much about it
1: well um my co-assistant is coming (laughs) i love it Um, (laughs) well before i answer that i want to just say that having a good boss is imperative yes what you need to your to your community, your boss, your team what you mentioned as your team uh-huh. is really important, right like being able my boss is, a, is like a Christian yeah and um he doesn't he doesn't mention it often like he mentions it a little but not so much because we work in a school uh-huh. he is a decent man yeah and being able to have, um, have a conversation with a good boss. You don't have to tell people your deepest, darkest soul and your, you know, but you need to let them know what's happening. You need mm-hmm. to, they, they have an expectation that you're working and that you mm-hmm. have a certain amount of work and you have no choice, but you are going to change. Mm-hmm. There'll be a hurt and a pain and a sorrow that even with the best attitude and even denying the most feelings, that's gonna come up. That's yeah.
2: be
1: part of your like how you interact with the people. And if you don't communicate that, they're just gonna think you're just full of like you're effing up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, what you doing here? Why aren't you, aren't you on your game? I try to reach you. <laughs>
1: you are just gonna be better like I um, you're shorter. I'm, yeah. I, was, I was much like, I'm not a super touchy feely person to begin with mm-hmm. to be at work. I was just like annoyed. Yeah. Way annoyed, more annoyed than I, you know, like, like what, you know, the squinty I <laughs> 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 what would you say? Huh?
0: No. When did you, when did you notice that? That cause you know, a lot of people was like, I'm good. I'm good. Like mentally you think you are handling it, but then you find that I'm a little short with people. My empathy level is very low. Like you over here talking about A, B and C and you don't know what's going on at home. Right. You just like, people annoyed me way faster.
1: Mm -hmm. And like, so like there's an amount of energy and bandwidth of, of, that you have as a human, and I tell my clients this all the time. Like, energy is not; it's not infinite, it's
2: mm-hmm.
1: infinite right? So, like, if you're suffering from depression, or if you're suffering from something, you can't. It, it's not. It's not like you just have a pool of energy that you can just constantly keep pulling from. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, you have a limited amount, and if half of that is taken with depression or managing to get out of bed put your clothes on, you know, then you only are working with half where everybody else has the whole thing. Mm-hmm. That's why you're tired at the end of the day. <laughs> That's why you're tired after your shower. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why everything is so hard. So I, I feel like you have, I had like, I had limited... Bandwidth mm-hmm. to hold people's feelings. And that's my job. My job is to hold your feelings, to help you process your feelings. And I had limited patience to do that, limited, you know,
0: interest. To do, well, who was holding your feelings? I know no. you're good with. Nobody was holding my feelings.
1: You know, I was just like, I, I just was handling my business mm-hmm. a good black woman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what, what did you do to take care of yourself, though, during those times? Because it had to be, you know, you have some days where they're a little bit more rough than others. It doesn't say you're not wanting or willing to do, um, take care of your loved one. But some days are a little bit rough, a little bit more rough than others. How did you handle that?
1: Well, I think, um, for what. so my, um, you know, I think that God does things for you. I'm okay. a Christian woman, right? But I'm, you know, I'm not the Christian woman that's at church. I'm a little bit more, I'm a Christian that sneaks up on you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you don't know that I'm a Christian because, you know, I might left drop an F-bomb or something. <laughs> Or open up a can of whoop ass, but um, in my heart, I really believe that God is like there for me, right? Mm-hmm. But God sends you people. Mm-hmm. So we ended up being in these challenges at work where I was working out a lot. Uh huh. It was awesome. And I'm an artist, and I started, and I was doing a lot of art. Uh huh. My dad and my uncle, who lives in um, Long Island. He 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 would stop by on his trips to other places <laughs> and spend like two, three days here hanging out with my dad and you know, checking in on us. And you know, he was here like and he didn't complain or be like, you know, he's just like, oh, it doesn't matter. I could just I just need this couch and a sheet and I don't care, I'm fine. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, so I think God just sort of put a whole bunch of situations together to make sure that I was okay. Yeah. And, and, um,
0: and I was fine. I was, and my dad is really a good dude. (laughs) I met your dad. He was so cool. And let me tell you, I've never, um, like went live by myself. I always need a buddy. That's why you see Vanessa. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But after the Zoom funeral. Mm-hmm. You guys, like, I was in tears because how the Charlie's Angels, as the the pastor called you guys, your dad, you know, thinking you're his Charlie's Angels. The way you sent them off, just Vanessa sent me a picture of the memorial of the like how you had the urn and you had the hat tilted to the side, and I was like, that's the first thing I said. look at that. That is him. Oh my goodness. That was so him. And she was so happy. She was like, this is what's going to be trained on everybody. Everybody's going to see that picture. And I was like, that is like, that is so him. Um, and so you guys captured all of that on zoom.
1: Yeah, we, we worked really hard. We only got into, like I told you one (laughs) argument (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was a good one. We only got into, you know, we didn't even really get into an argument. We got into one conflict. Uh-huh. You asked about how we, we um, sent him off. Yeah. My dad was not a wealthy man. Mm-hmm. He was not prepared for death in terms of plot, in terms of money for burial or any of that. And, you know, we are not wealthy people. Mm-hmm. So at the end, when he was, was like maybe a day before he passed away, he wanted this in his mind prior to this moment. He wanted a casket. He wanted to be buried. He wanted this elaborate thing. And I just I'm going to tell you, if there was a thing that worried me for most of the time that he was here, it was like I knew I couldn't do that. Yeah. I knew I couldn't. I knew I didn't have the money for it. I wouldn't, I didn't, I don't feel comfortable with all of the GoFundMe things, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, I wanted my friends to be involved in that kind of a thing. I'm more private than that. So two days or three days before he died, I said, dad, um, I'm not going to be able to bury you the way that you want to be buried. I'm going to overrate you. hmm and I'm going to use, and I told him exactly what I was going to do. And he said, okay, that's fine. And uh-huh. I had the nerve to say that to him because, you know, you know, once he passed, you know, I could do whatever I want to. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I wanted to be transparent with him and I didn't yeah. want to feel any guilt about like what I, you know, what I was going to do. So I said, and he was like, yeah, that's no problem. He's like, yeah, do that. Right. He says, whatever you want to do and whatever you need to do. Mm -hmm. do So me and my sisters and and during COVID, you know, it took forever to get him cremated. They came in, they got the body the same night. Right. But it like everybody was getting cremated. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, so it took like a week and a week and some change to get the body back, the the urn back. Yeah. And then um, me and my sisters, at first we were going to do this small thing. And then I thought, no, we really have to end, you know, because he was a part of so many people's lives, we really have to end with a full funeral. Yeah. So, you know, my girl, you know, my. (laughs) (laughs) This (laughs) turned into. I mean, literally, we had to have conversations with Nikki Uh about the boundaries. Like, we don't have BB and CC whining. You know, we don't have a fan machine to blow feathers. (laughs) (laughs) It's not going to be like, um, the dancing is not going to be like, you know, um Alvin and Ailey <laughs> sort of reigned her in and this one conflict that we did have was that um I was 10 minutes late to the project management meeting for the I <laughs> <laughs> imagine you call it a project management meeting it's a project management
0: meeting <laughs> It was a project management meeting. Uh, but, for people don't know, your sister is a project manager, right? Yeah, well, she's a project manager,
1: but she's, you know, we're all super strong personalities. <laughs> yes. And everybody, everybody's a boss, right? Mm-hmm. So we, you know, over the years, we've learned to work with that. Yeah. We learned to work with, like, each other and fall back or whatever. But we really just wanted to give honor to daddy in the right way. Oh, and y'all did. And that meant multiple, you know, multiple meet. And then we're talking, like, three, we're talking four states. Yep. Four generations, four or five states, four generations mm-hmm. of from people who are in their 80s and 90s all the way to younger people who are in their 20s. So this had to be, like, something not, re- like, related to the seniors, the most senior members of our, the elders of our family. Uh-huh. Something that they could feel like was more traditional, but at the same time that, you know, um, and is accessible to everybody. mm mm-hmm. Right? So...
0: Really? <laughs> I mean, y'all had the intro, all right? Like, I I told Vanessa before I got on to Zoom, I thought my family's in the funeral business. My brother is. And um, I thought about, okay, when the car has to come pick you up the family gets in the car. Like that was my mind. That's what I was thinking about you guys, you guys coming together, Mm -hmm. making sure that everybody's connected on, on the, um, the the zoom or the invitation that you sent out. And then you're going to have people who, who can't find the address. Like we don't, where's the funeral at? It's online. How do I get online? Right. And then the way you had it set up from the PowerPoint, that was that was your sister, right? <laughs> Nikki. That was Nikki. <laughs> then Vanessa was the, the person that reads the announcements. Yes. The she was, na- and na- then it was so lovely. When yeah. you when you got up to speak. Yeah, we did we I, I feel really good about the funeral that we
1: did. Mm-hmm. I feel like it honored our dad. It did. It was a full funeral. There was praise, dancing, <laughs> singing. There was two, a two selections. There was a sermon. There yep. was a um, uh, reading. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all followed it to the T. There was a full the full funeral top like front like yeah. you know, like set up, and then there was the after with the music playing at the end where you could just linger and talk in your own houses. There were 40 households on that zoom call.
0: Are you serious? There's
1: 40 households on that zoom call. And there were more like there had to be about 75 or a hundred people on that zoom.
0: Oh my goodness. You really, you guys really did an amazing job. My dad would really. And
1: I, so I did writing. I did all the writing mm-hmm. and, um, Nikki did, like, organization and mm-hmm. managed the Zoom and da 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 Vanessa did, you know, you never want to let Vanessa <laughs> do like a taskmaster. She's like, she's the worst. She's so hard. She's so hard. She, she's like cracking the whip for the play- <laughs> for all the entertainment related things
0: (laughs) do it again do it again (laughs) I said she was like fame you know fame (laughs) (laughs) costumes (laughs) got
1: them in the costumes (laughs) with the makeup and the video cameras (laughs) so but I I feel really good about the way that we um, sent my dad off yeah a few weeks because of, you know, my training and all kinds of things like that. But we really worked really hard
0: and I feel like we honored his memory. He did. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing. It, it was truly amazing. And being on the other side and being able to see all, all the guests and, you know, at one time I had to like, like move the camera cause I was like, y'all were so amazing. It touched me so much that you guys did, you know, it's hard during COVID Mm -hmm. and you can't physically get the hugs or the, you know, everybody be around each other, but you guys did such an amazing job and being.
1: It's our family too. We have a good family. You do. Battle. Yeah. Families do. And I guess that's the good part, because when you don't have a face-to-face funeral, there's no fight to break out <laughs> <laughs> in the funeral home. <laughs> you know, there's no arguments and no comments like that. But everybody had their household.
0: And people stayed on afterwards. I was like, okay, are we? how long are we going to stay? Like, it was just so amazing.
1: For a long time, they just sort of like, you know how when you're at the wake or whatever and you linger and festival and you sort of talk to everybody they had um each person had their household and you know I don't know if you st- my household was the household where the setup yeah
2: mm-hmm.
1: With the kids going back and forth and you saw us taking pictures and you saw like and then you had the other households where like people were like sort of talking and dah, 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 dah. so I feel like we really came together and we catered to some of our senior members by uh-huh. mailing the programs directly to them as opposed to them having to access them electronically, you know, so.
0: And you have programs. Let's not forget the programs.
1: Oh yeah, we had programs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, programs. You
0: had real programs. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. Well, through all this and being a caregiver, and for someone who says they had nothing to talk about, this interview has been amazing.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Yes. um, When Vanessa told me that she might, I don't know. And I said, okay, well, let her listen to your podcast.
1: Well, I'm really glad you're doing this podcast.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: As I've had quite a few clients over the years who have had cancer. And, you know, they never, black people of color, they never want to do mental health. They never want to reach out to other people who have mm-hmm. something similar going on. So, you know, this is like a real resource where you can sort of tune in but and be connected. But maybe, yeah. you know, a little distant, you know. Little, yeah. I'm glad that you're doing this. This is really good for our community.
0: Well, thank you. I mean, I when I was diagnosed and my first support group that I went to, no one looked like me. Mm -hmm. Everybody was 65 and older
2: Mm -hmm. and
0: um, podcast to Pimp and Pink for the Cure is Talanya. She was my person that I connected with and I'd already been to two support groups. And I was like, this is not working. Then I got into the young survivor coalition and everybody there were they were young and they were trying to have kids or just had kids or it was like, I needed that connection. And this is my give back. Like this is my purpose. Um, and I don't care if two people listen to it or, you know, how many listen to it. I want Robin Roberts to listen to it though. (laughs) I want her, (laughs) but, um, really it's my give back. And I really want to make sure that the caregivers don't get lost in this. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. uh, I think this is a great resource and I definitely
1: will refer to my clients, you know, that they should find themselves in these situations. Um, you know, So just keep
0: doing it. Thank you. I hope you join me on this podcasting journey one day. I I will, eventually. Eventually. And I'll be here to support you. Well, Mm -hmm. guys, I want to thank you for listening to Chemo Glow, where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. Looking forward to the next couple of episodes coming up. And hopefully, you will grant me with a live. After every podcast, I try to get you to come on and do a live Facebook with me. Oh, okay. I think that, how, is that right after this? Nope, not right after this because I have on my pajamas. So. Okay. <laughs> so I'll schedule it in a couple of weeks when I put out your podcast. But thank you again okay. for um, being a part of my podcast. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. Sound editing
1: is provided by Josh Masters. If you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Connect with Chemo Glow on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also find more content at chemoglow.com.